This is Give Me Some Truth. This podcast features appearances from Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and myself, Mitch DeWitt, from Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. Give Me Some Truth is dedicated to providing an accessible and authentic view into the financial services industry, as well as current events and investment concepts that you can apply in your day-to-day life. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Mitch and I are going to talk about reversion to the mean today and what that means and why it's important to uh, investors and uh, people that have money in uh, in global markets. Um, I am Nate Condon, and uh, Mitch DeWitt is uh, um, kind of the the expert on the topic for uh, for the conversation today. Uh, Mitch, why did you come up with this topic, and why do you think it's important for people? Yes. Yeah, so I was reading an article this week, and for some of you out there, you may have heard of past podcasts where I mentioned that I'm completing my MBA right now at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And an article that our professor had us read in our securities analysis class was related to this topic, the reversion of the mean. And I started thinking back to past Wall Street, journals, Wall Street Journal articles Easy for you to say. <laughs> that I've read. And there's this idea that investors look at a fund, let's say, that has outperformed in the past, looking at its historical data, and that expect the expectation is that it continues to do that in the future. And we just wanted to bring this podcast together to talk through that statistically, that's not necessarily going to be the case. Yeah, I think a good example of that, and, and um, we promise we're not going to get uh, deep into the um, kind of geeky nature that, uh, that that Mitch and I enjoy because our brains are wired different than most people when it comes to uh, numbers and, and math and things like that. We're going to keep it high level, but it is an important concept to understand because when people make decisions on uh, not only investments themselves, but investment firms that they're going to go with or potentially even um, kind of strategies that they're going to use for their investments, um, this idea of kind of predictive nature or the ability to kind of predict or assume where something is going to go um, starts to cloud people's judgment. So I'll just give a very simple analogy to be able to explain uh, kind of what we mean by that. So, uh, Mitch, if I flip a coin and I have the he- or the um, uh, the heads side of the coin come up 50 straight times, what does that mean for the 51st flip? For the next one, it's still going to be a 50-50 chance. Right. So essentially what we mean, what we mean by that is that for some reason you um, kind of um, were able to flip a coin and, and, and kind of blow past all the statistical measurements that would tell you you should get a you know a, a, an even number of heads versus tails. If you got 50 heads in a row, the, the thought is, well, then I'm a, I have a better chance on the 51st flip to get heads. That's actually not the case. In other words, the 51st flip is completely independent of the first 50, and regardless of what the outcome was for the first 50, that has no influence on the 51st flip. How does that relate to what we're talking about today? Right. So there are a lot of important things about going through the fundamental analysis of a stock or an organization or a fund itself. 
So we're, we're now also not saying that, hey, it's not important to look at some of these past performance criteria because that's that's the only thing we can really go off. We, we can't look into the future, right? But that being said, the past performance truly is independent of what is going to happen in the future. Yeah, and I think what, what matters for people there is to kind of really get the feel that, as, as Mitch alluded to, we're not, we're not saying that research doesn't matter. We're not saying that past performance is not uh, um, an important component to take a look at. What we are saying is that using that as a sole uh, or, or as a main criteria for how to pick an investment in the future may not be the best, uh, the best course of action. Exactly. And, and we kicked this off with the, the term reversion to the mean. And I'll, I'll give kind of a quick, very basic example of that. So let's say there's a couple funds out there. One of them is they did 20%, let's say, in return. The other one did 10% in return last year. Now, let's say the, the industry average or the category average for those two funds is 15%, right? Kind of in the middle of those two. And when we say it reverts to the mean, statistically, that fund that outperformed, that hit the 20% last year, it's more than likely that that's going to start to creep back towards that 15%, the mean. Likewise, on the, the fund that underperformed, the one that was at 10%, that has a statistically decent chance of coming back up towards the mean, back to the 15%. And over time, they'll they'll go towards that category average, that category mean. And we see this a lot in just everyday walks of life, right? So if we have, um, you know, last week in, in, um, in, in a weather example, right, we had uh, three or four days where it was, you know, distinctly hotter or warmer than what the average was for that time of year. Okay, well, what happened then since then? You know, the, the, the temperatures come back down and we kind of get back to our more normal or what we would consider normal. We say normal, what we're essentially referring to is, you know, the mean or the average for that period of time. So whether it be, you know, the price of a gallon of milk or the temperature of, of the, uh, the weather outside on a given day or whether it be, um, you know, a, a sports team that, that uh, you know, just won, tw- you know, 10 games in a row. Again, all of these things are examples in real life of, of um, you know, kind of outperformance or underperformance, whatever category you're looking at, is likely to pull back toward what it's done more on average uh, measure over a period of time. Exactly. And one of the things that Nate and I were briefly talking about before we hit record on the podcast here was was Morningstar, just because it's it's something that a lot of people are relatively familiar with. They have a expansive database of information and, and research on different funds and different stocks and, and things like that. And we didn't want to get too deep into that. But the Wall Street Journal article that I was referencing earlier, that was on this idea of the Morningstar rating system. There's a five-star rating system to analyze the past performance of a particular fund. And that's a snapshot in time. That's just saying, hey, on this day, it's March 9th, 2018, that's looking up to this point in time, what have they done? What have they done over the the last three years, five years, 10 years, et cetera? And one of the big mistakes that people might assume is that, okay, this five-star fund crushed it over the last five years, therefore, that's what I want in my portfolio. And some people, as they're going through their 401ks, for example, might take a look at the fund lineup, 
take a look at the Morningstar rating attached to it and say, well, I just want all five-star funds because those are the ones that are going to kill it in the future as well. Yeah, I think that's a, great, a good point. And, and, and what we're kind of alluding to there is um, that the star rating uh, in, in Morningstar, and again, not throwing stones at Morningstar, incredibly good, well-respected company by way of research and kind of what they do, but it's, it's not the tool itself. In our opinion, it's how people are using that tool, right? So the tool is the star, star rating system. And so that if we use the tool incorrectly, uh, we would just assume that something that is a five-star fund up to this point or had just gotten that five-star level will continue then to be a five-star rated fund in the future. That is where we're making a mistake with the tool, right? So instead of looking at it going, wow, this has done very well in the past, let me dig, dig a little deeper or look at it a little further to see whether or not I think it's going to continue to do that. People use that as a predictive um, I guess a variable to say, well, therefore, now that it's achieved its five star rating, it will then stay at that level for the foreseeable future. That's the part of the statement that is not necessarily true. And cyclicality is something that is probably worth a mention in this topic too, because things that an industry, for example, that might have been in favor due to favorable tax policies or, or, um, even like if you look at a specific um, something like energy, for example. So energy may be in favor some years and other years it's not going to be. And some of the funds that might hold some of those underlying organizations, they might have outperformed or underperformed depending on the policy in place, the environment that we're currently in. So that being said, the ratings are going to reflect that. Yes, they may have outperformed, but there's a cyclical, cyclical nature in the market, cyclical nature in the economy. And I think that that's the, the, the point we're making there is um, to just pick, for example, your 401k lineup of only five-star funds to, to say, I'm only going to choose this, or said another way. Somebody might say, well, what is the, what is, is the sense of picking anything but five-star funds? That is ridiculous. That's the mistake thought, if you will, or the, the kind of flaw in people's logic. Again, it's not to say go buy all one-star funds because they're all going to become five-star funds. But what we are saying is, you know, there may be five-star funds that, are, that have peaked and are kind of starting, starting that, that, that regression back down, um, whereas a three-star fund might have been a three-star fund in, in Mitch's example because the, the, the sector that it plays in was just out of style in general. And that sector might be finding its way back, um, you know, in in favor. And so, uh, ultimately, what it comes back to is what we preach every day, every month, every year in this firm is diversification and, and global diversification being kind of the the uh, the overarching way that we want to see people build out portfolios or or choose the investment company they're going to go with is a company that has a a rooted interest in diversification because that which is in favor today might not be in favor tomorrow. That what is not in favor today might very well be in favor tomorrow. And so if we're just trying to pick front runners, we are going to fail long term. That is a statistical uh, fact from, from the empirical data that's been, uh, been researched to this point. I'm going to throw a little fun fact out there. So from one of the studies that I referenced in 2017, of the five-star funds at the time of the study, only 14% uh, 
continued to have that five-star rating just three years later. Now, they didn't all drop to one-stars, to your earlier point, but only 14% of those five-stars still had that five-star rating just three short years later. Yeah, that, that's an incredibly uh, powerful stat, and I, I think that that speaks exactly to what we're talking about today, and I think Mitch brings up a, a, a really, really good point there. 86% of the funds that were rated five-star funds three years later were no longer five-star funds. And so that speaks exactly to what we're talking about. Again, it doesn't mean that we should own them. It doesn't mean that all of them went down to one-star funds. It doesn't mean that they're all bad. It means that if we only had five-star funds or we only picked five-star funds for that reason alone in our investments, we would be likely disappointed with our rate of return or disappointed with those investment choices just three short years later. So really, it's it's more of, of speaking to a bigger... Um, kind of topic, or, or maybe not bigger topic, but I would say more of a, a forgotten topic, especially in the last 12 to 18, 12 to 24 months in the market where we've seen a dramatic drop in volatility. We've seen a very smooth ride in the market. We've seen a very comfortable investment path for, for most diversified investors. Um, that's not normal. Uh, we're, 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 trying to, we're trying to preach that as much as we can. That's not a normal period of time in the market. That's an atypical period of time in the market. The market is much more volatile than what it's been uh, over the last 12 to 24 months historically. And this idea of regression or reversion to the mean, uh, while somewhat forgotten in the last 12 to 24 months because it seems like everything has just gone up, uh, that that hasn't gone away. Uh, it's just a period of time where that, that wasn't taking center stage. And in our view of the world, that will become more of a of a, of a starter, if you will, within the starting lineup uh, of, of, a, uh, of a topic in the next five to 10 years, much more than it's been in the last two to three years. Nate, I got one more question for you. So of those five-star funds, where do you think they ended up after that three-year period? By way of star rating? By way of star rating. So those five-star funds, we said, well, most of them didn't go all the way down to a one, but where do you think most of them ended up? I would guess somewhere between three and four, or the, the vast majority of them would be in the three to four range. Exactly. So most of them did, in fact, end up closer to the three-star rating, which goes to the whole point... They reverted back to the mean. Right. And that's that's what we what, what we hope that people, the listeners today, took out of the conversation. We realize it's it's somewhat of a dry topic. We realize that um, you know it's it's not the uh, the most exciting thing to talk about, but it is a really, really important thing to to be aware of because it's something that we've seen um, time and time and time again in our in our in our careers in this industry is people tend to gravitate toward uh, you know that that uh, performance rating, and even if it's not a Morningstar rating, just just outperformance in general when they look at their investments over a three or five or ten year period of time. And again, it's not that they shouldn't look at that, but almost you know almost it seems like almost all of the focus in some people when they make decisions on the invest in the investments that they use is centered around that idea only. Our argument is be careful doing that because the research will tell us that that's not necessarily the best way to construct a portfolio. What we'd like to have people do, sit down with an advisor, preferably an independent advisor, preferably a fee-only advisor, um, preferably one that believes strongly in the fiduciary standard of care, and have a conversation with that advisor to say, okay, based on my 401k right now or my investment right now, how would you Mr. or Mrs. Mrs. Advisor, construct my portfolio if you're not only going to look at uh, a Morningstar rating system and have that conversation with your advisor, because I think most people would be surprised as to what comes from that conversation.
If you found this valuable, feel free to share it with uh, friends. We would uh, love to hear your thoughts on it as well, so don't hesitate to comment uh, as well. And we will look forward to speaking to you again at a future podcast. Advisory services are offered through Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Wachner and Nate Condon are investment advisor representatives of Wachner Condon. Kevin Castro is an office manager and marketing communications specialist for Wachner Condon Financial Advisors. He is not registered, and his participation in this podcast is limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments he makes be construed as giving investment advice. Insurance products and services are offered through WC Insurance Services, LLC, Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, and WC Insurance Services, LLC, are affiliated companies. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any of the securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Wachner Condon Financial Advisors LLC is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizons. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Wachner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not promise or guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see wachnercondon.com for additional disclosures.